Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James Kay. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much. I hope uh, our listeners, you're doing very well. Um, Join us again for another week. Uh, And this week, uh, we're going to be talking about something rather, rather interesting. Uh, It's something in 2008 was a big, big story. Uh, In 2008, I was... I don't know how old. How old am I now? I am 27 now. Uh, I mean, I, I must have been like 13, I think, at the time, in 2008. Uh, but, uh, 2008, so that was 13 years ago, 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Quick maths. How old am I? I'm 25. <laughs> Sometimes I forget. They, it all just starts blur. Well, I remember when I was younger, I used to ask my parents, like, how old are you? They'd have to sit there and think for a while and then tell me. And i am like, how do you not know? And as the older I get, yeah. I understand. That's literally me now. I just worked out. I was, I was 15 years old uh, or nearabouts. <clears throat> right, okay. So I would have been what? 12, 13? Mm. So, yeah, I would be surprised if you did remember this with any sort of clout. Um, so, shall we just jump straight into it? Go for it. All right, so it is February 19th, 2008. West Yorkshire Police receive a call at 6.48pm from a woman named Karen Matthews. Clearly distressed, she tells the police that she would like to report her daughter missing. The dispatcher asks how old the child is. Karen replies, nine. The dispatcher asks the name of the child. Karen replies, Shannon Matthews. Shannon was last seen by her mother the morning of her disappearance when she left for school, stating the last thing said to her was, quote, see you at tea time. Karen became alerted to her daughter's disappearance in the evening when she arrived home to find her living boyfriend Craig concerned that young Shannon had not returned home. It was then that she rang the police. What followed was the largest police investigation in West Yorkshire since the late 70s with the Yorkshire Ripper case. It sparked debate about the class system in the UK and how the lower class and benefit claimants are perceived to the rest of the country. It would also completely shock the nation with its conclusion. So, without further ado, let's get into it. If you headed to Moorside Road in Dewsbury, just outside Leeds in February 2008, you'd find an estate alive of activity. Vans with News Corporation logos slapped all over the side, cameras resting on people's shoulders while reporters inflate the local populace. Microphones in hand, addressing the nation on the newest update in the disappearance of nine-year-old Shannon Matthews. Behind the reporters, you'll see locals wandering across the street, all doing their part searching for the nine-year-old. Some of them are heading into the homes of the street, number 24 to be precise, the home of 32-year-old Karen Matthews who is desperately waiting for her daughter Shannon to come home. Supporting her is her 22-year-old boyfriend, Craig Meehan. Karen Matthews is unemployed and living in a council house. She is a mother of seven, although not all of them live with her. At least three of them are living with their dads, of which there are five, and the other four children live with her, one of which is Shannon. Karen's boyfriend Craig, 10 years younger than her, works as a fishmonger and has been given leave from work to help with the search. Craig and Karen have been together for four years. He's moved in and says that he loves Shannon like his own. Outside, 
The press is desperate to hear from Sha to hear from Karen. She's been told by the police to not go out searching for her in fear of what she could find if they did manage to discover young Shannon. Which I think is kind of fair if I'm just going off script here for a second. When mm. you're, as a parent, told by the police, don't go looking for your child because what you may find because is not something you want. You don't want to be the person to find them in a bad state, shall yeah. we say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't want to be come up you don't want to like come across a ditch and see something horrendous. No. Because like losing your child will scar you for life regardless, but you being the one finding their body, I think, would do Yeah. A significant yeah. amount more damage. Exactly. It's uh, not ideal. So they stay at home, basically. Uh so <clears throat> Karen emerges from her home for the first time to a swarm of lights, cameras and reporters. Supported by her boyfriend and neighbours, Karen speaks. Quote, if you're out there, please, darling, come home. We love you so much. Me and your dad, your brothers, your sisters. Everybody loves you. Your dad's missing you so much, Shannon. He's even out looking for you. Please come home, Shannon. If you're out there, come home. If anybody's got my daughter, my beautiful princess daughter, please bring her home safe. Karen is visibly distressed. Her hair is tied back. She has dark bags under her eyes, as if she hasn't slept for 48 hours. She looks completely drained by the whole experience. The nation began to feel for this poor mother who is desperate to have her daughter back home. The appeal doesn't have the desired effect. It's February the 21st. Shannon has been gone for three days. Police ramp up their search, with 200 police officers brought in to help search. It's the biggest police investigation since the Yorkshire Ripper case in the late 70s and 80s. In a missing persons case, the first 72 hours are critical. Any longer than that and police forces begin to fear the worst and what was a missing persons case increasingly becomes a search for a body. Shannon, I'm sure there's like a there's a there's a time sorry to interrupt there's a time limit on that isn't there isn't it like 72 hours or something or is that at sea? No, so, so it's the first 72 hours, which is, what, three days, isn't it? Um, yeah. Something like that. Uh, the first 72 hours are, like, literally critical. Um, after 72 hours, they start to assume that this person is either in a very... But, like, this person's no longer missing. This person's either dead or they're being held. Or, yeah, or perhaps they just don't want to be found. Yeah, there's also that, too. Uh Shannon, at this point, has been missing for more than 40 hours, so not quite the 72-hour mark, but they are getting increasingly concerned. Um, <clears throat> so police are ramping it up. They've got 200 police officers having a search. They're, they're literally doing the... You know, and they're stood out in a long, long line, and they just walk in pace after pace, and they're just staring mm. at the ground, looking for evidence. So West Yorkshire Police's homicide and major inquiry team ramp up the search, looking for clues in Karen's house and other properties around the estate. They brought Karen into the station and questioned her for six hours about her daughter and the day of her disappearance. The police said they were surprised by the behaviour of Karen. She seemed disinterested by their presence, which is fair, because like, she could be, like as I've said, so drawn out by the experience that she just doesn't react to much. Like She's a mother just desperately wanting to find her daughter and she's been told by the police to stay at home, so all you can do really is sit at home and, and worry, right? Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, although it's an observation by the police, I'm not sure it's necessarily something at that at this point we should be looking into. So, by day four, Shannon has now been missing for over 72 hours and police are clutching at straws. They desperately need new leads, so go to the public for help. They release the only piece of hard evidence they have, which is CCTV footage showing Shannon at the local swimming pool attending her weekly after-school swimming lessons. The footage shows Shannon walking out the doors, putting her coat on. Her friend Megan notices her walking down the road, which was not the usual way home, but it's the last known sighting of the nine-year-old. The theory then is that Shannon had been snatched on the streets on her way home. This theory is then supported by a worrying find. There are more than, get this James, there are more than 1,400 registered sex offenders living within a 20-mile radius of the area. Bloody hell, that's a lot of sex. It, it feels like they've just been put there on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, when the locals found out about this, they were just, they, they couldn't believe it. How there are two schools in the area within this 20-mile radius, uh, and there are lots of young kiddies hanging around the area, and up to 1,400 sex offenders living within this 20-mile radius. That's staggering. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that the police didn't know that initially, they had to, like, discover that afterwards. So it, it's mad, it's mad. It makes you kind of question how many sex offenders are there. There's just 1,400 um, in this area alone. Probably a lot more than we care to even think about. Mm. Well, each and every one of them had to be spoken to, and each and every one of them had to provide an alibi. And luckily... Every single one? Every single one. They had to speak to every single one. 1,400 people, and they had to get an alibi from every single one. And they did. Fair enough. Fair play to the police. So it's not the sex offenders, from what we can gather. Meanwhile, Shannon has now been missing for 12 days. The local community is still helping where it can. National newspapers are offering a financial incentive to help bring forward information that could lead to the discovery of Shannon. Uh, I'd also like to point out this uh, this moment. Um, the local community of this Moorside estate uh, were phenomenal during this period of time. As soon as it was announced that Shannon had gone missing, uh, a friend of Karen Matthews, the mother, Julia Bushby, she led the local community search and, like, in just true like northern spirit, these are hard people that are just like I don't care about your police ways of wanting to do it we're going to help and they all just like they, yeah. they did everything that they could uh, in, they banded everything together in their power. oh they banded together and they were there they were so supportive to the Matthews family everything they were fantastic um, I would advise that after you've listened to this podcast go and watch there's a recent documentary from Channel 5 it's a two-parter about uh, this entire saga um and there's also there's loads of documentaries out there, and uh, just just see how the local community rallied together during this. It's it's genuinely inspiring, and it's, it's lovely to see. Uh, but anyway, back to it. Uh, national newspapers are offering financial incentives to help bring forward any information that could lead to the discovery of Shannon. The Sun newspaper, boo, the Sun newspaper mm. offers a twenty thousand pound reward with another local businessman offering £5,000. So 25 grand as a you know reward for information is a relatively good incentive. 
And yeah, for sure. And still, for some reason, it, it just really doesn't bring any information forward. So, Karen has also invited a TV crew with Channel 4 into her home with exclusive access to the family. And this actually can be seen today on YouTube. It's called, if you're interested in looking at it, Shannon Matthews' The Family's Story. It's an interesting watch. Karen's behaviour is very lackadaisical from start to finish. You'd be forgiven for forgetting that her daughter's even missing. She laughs, she jokes. Uh, on one occasion, whilst this is all going on, uh, her family liaison officer is in the house and her mobile phone rings and it's just like, it's, a, it's a funky ringtone um, from like back then. And Karen is seen to like jump up and start dancing to the, the tune, going like, oh, this is brilliant. I love this song, blah, blah, blah. And the family liaison right. officer finds this really bizarre. Like, your daughter's missing, has been for like nearly 12 days. And you're just like, why are you dancing? Why are you dan like why are you dancing, having a laugh at a joke, and like pretending almost like y your kid's not missing, right? Now, from my view of this, there are sort of two ways to see it. One, she's enjoying the attention that she's receiving, which is plausible. I mean, she's well, living in a council house, outskirts of Leeds. Uh, she doesn't have a job, she's unemployed, benefits, and whatnot. <clears throat> And you know, for once, she's maybe in the papers. She's known. She's a she's a name, or two. Mm. Uh, you know, like like as I said when she was at the police station, she's putting on a facade for the benefit of her other children. She's got three other kids in the house that she kind of has to still be mum to. She's still got to look after them. She's still got you know to feed them and clothe them and stuff like that. And maybe it's her way of staying strong for them. You know. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, there's there's multiple ways of seeing that. So, 14 days missing now. Your kid's been missing for two weeks. And Karen makes a public appeal to the police. She sat at a table with a, a blue West Yorkshire banner behind her and a poster of Shannon on it. She's wearing a white t-shirt with a picture of her daughter on it and the words, quote, Have you seen Shannon? She's clutching a small brown teddy bear the entire time, which is implied to be Shannon's. When asked by reporters whether she had a theory on her daughter's disappearance, Karen replied saying she feels as though she can't trust those close to her, that maybe whoever has Ka uh, Shannon knows me or knows Shannon. Mm. Now, the police had no theories themselves. They had no clue. They'd not released anything to the public neither. So for the mother now to say this... Well, the media absolutely loved it, and the police was completely stunned because, as far as they were concerned, have you got information that you've not told us yet? Because that's like a big theory to just throw out there. Hmm. Mm. Mm. She's hiding something. Mm, indeed, it seems like she may be hiding something. She just just seems a bit suspicious from the get go. Like, it's just nothing really about her. It, um, well, from the start, yes. She's like, you know, she's a mother, she's missing a child and whatever. However, the way she behaves and the way she acts doesn't help herself. And we will No, not at all. We will get on to how it maybe relates or is in some way similar to a previous case uh that we will get to in a bit. But anyway. Right, okay. She releases her own theory saying that she can't trust those that are close to her, what she feels as though she can't. And she's also then asked as she finishes uh, the um, appeal, 
whether the teddy bear that she's been clutching the entire time has a name. Again, this teddy bear is supposedly Shannon's. And Karen responds by saying that she doesn't know the name of the teddy bear. She just simply says that Shannon called it Teddy, which seems a bit sus. Hmm. Mm. Now, what Karen didn't realise was that her off-the-cuff comments about not trusting those closest to her would inadvertently bring this case to a close, which is great, but not necessarily the way that she wanted it to. Immediate suspicion on Karen's family members by the invested public was just inevitable. Initially, Shannon's biological dad, his name is Leon Rose, he was suspected after the police found writings on Shannon's bedroom wall stating that she wanted to live with her dad. But after solid alibis, he was dropped as a suspect. The scrawlings on the wall of Shannon's room did hint to the police that maybe all at home was not well. Suspicion then fell onto Karen's boyfriend, Craig Meehan. And when Karen's own parents went to the national newspapers accusing Craig of physical abuse towards her and the children, the nation also began to turn on him. There was no proof of these allegations, and Craig, along with Karen, denied it vehemently. But it was enough to make the public question things. Public, mm. pub- it's, it's a mean thing to do, to accuse someone blindly. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's... um. I mean, in America, it's a, it's a massive thing, right? Where almost all um, court proceedings can be streamed live. I think there's like a website, mm. like the courts have websites or whatever, and you can almost stream every single court proceeding. I mean, it's the same thing in the UK. Like, you can almost go to any court proceeding as a as a, a visitor and just watch them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure about entirely why you do that. Like, don't get me wrong. It's all for the goss, isn't it? That's why we do it. Um, but like, I know in America big big court proceedings are always like uh filmed like we can watch loads of these like that's why we get loads of documentaries coming out of netflix with like court proceedings being shown because they've got cameras in them so it becomes like reality tv in the uk whenever you hear about or see on the news about court proceedings it's always an artist's depiction because obviously that you're not allowed to have cameras in there because they don't want to like you know dramatize the whole thing Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, and then obviously what you get from that is you'll then get the court of public opinion where people start to say, oh no, I don't believe it, I don't believe it, or someone will say, oh, he's definitely guilty, he's definitely guilty, and it's like, yeah, but you weren't in the courtroom and you've not heard hardly any of the evidence that has been stated, so you've not really got anything to back up your claim. And that seems to be the case here as well. Um, the, the parents of Karen, I will point out, uh, they're estranged to Karen she doesn't get on with her parents um they don't really know her that well um she sort of like left when she was 16 and sort of just made it off on her own so they don't really know her that well so when they went to the newspapers and said oh you know Craig's been beating her up and beating up the kids uh there's not really much to back it up um no not at all but like I said it's enough that that's enough to get the public opinion on board they'll they'll just jump at it they'll take it so public opinion on the couple began to sour over time karen stepped back from public appearances more and more uh, secluding herself to her bedroom an interesting um interest in the case began to fade for the media the longer that the story went on naturally you know it's it anyway right okay right well now maybe is a time to sort of like talk about how we consume news every night Every night at six o'clock, 
or thereabouts that time the big like big new the big channels in the uk will put the news uh, uh, program on where you know one or two news presenters will give the daily news across the world to the nation there'll be things like war or you know some dictator in a foreign land is doing xyz and we go oh that's horrible and then the next day mm. you, you it might not it might as well have not happened because then we have more news to tell you and then every single day for 24 hours the bbc sky news cnn all that kind of stuff fox they have 24 hour news cycles where they pretty much regurgitate the same stuff all day because there's just maybe not enough news for them to regurgitate, right? Mm. And then the next day it'll be something new. So, for at, at this point in 2008, Shannon Matthews, when she went missing, yeah, okay, it made it made national news for a while, and then it was like, yeah, but they haven't found her, so there's nothing necessarily interesting. Otherwise, it would just be, yep, Shannon's still missing, so they just move on. More news, new one. There's something new to tell you, right? Mm. Um, which I don't know if that has like changed the way we uh, interact with like people, maybe, or like news that's online. I don't know. Like maybe this is just me, where like you can sort of b- become disinterested with stuff when you see it on the telly now. Like I don't care. Like I'd be like, oh, okay, another war. Okay. Like, it, uh, yeah, for sure. Thing. You do become just kind of immune to it. Yeah, like desensitized to it all. Like when you see that's like the one. another child has gone missing somewhere up north, and you're like, oh, that sucks yeah. for them. Like, yeah, like so and so has been stabbed today. Like, oh, it's awful. Yeah, it, I mean, when really it is, it is awful, but you just don't consider it. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to. Uh, I think it's in like maybe it's in a Guinness Book of Records or whatever. But I know it makes like some interesting YouTube videos sometimes. Where uh, I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's like the day where no news happened, and I think it mm. must have been in like 1930 or something. Uh, in the UK, where the BBC broadcasted their news channel, and their their presenter just went, uh, "Hello, welcome to the BBC. You're listening to the BBC National News, and today there is no news." And that was it. <laughs> I'd I long for be, those days. Wouldn't that be brilliant to like, you know, instead of just having uh, uh, another wars happened, or be like, you know, just if if there's just not really enough to sort of go on, just be like, mm, nothing really happened today. <laughs> they just rehash stuff like. It was Brexit. That every news would just be Brexit in the UK, and then all of a sudden it was COVID, and it's just been COVID for the past year, and it's just the same conversations over and over again, mm. just with like different people. I yeah. don't watch the news anymore because I just like I like one, it's depressing, and two, like I just I feel like every news broadcaster has an agenda. No matter this is me getting my tin hat on, but no matter what they say, they're funded by someone, well, yeah, so their and- news will be written with a perspective in mind. Exactly, and at the end of the day, what they want is uh, they want views. They want people to keep watching the show, so they have to keep putting out more news all the time. But then, you know, at the end of the day, like we're, we're moving on to like something else. But this poor little girl is still missing, and yet you'd be forgiven for get for forgetting about it completely. And that's yeah, the country that's just what carries happened. on. That's what happened at this point. And yeah, no, you're what, what you sort of just said there is absolutely right things do move on like and you know we don't just stop and then go oh, we all got to do it we've got to find this person whatever like we all have to carry on and whatnot but i don't know i don't know really what i'm getting at but like this whole thing like this person this is still a missing person and yeah you brought the news to it and then you just forget about yeah. it you know anyway 
this is kind of what this is what's happened here right now at this point in the story the news media has sort of forgotten about it what was what was now once the front page is now sort of like middle maybe page nine a little later mm. if at all in the newspapers and not really that spoken about in the news maybe like a yeah. side bit Shannon Matthews yes she's still missing but at this point people have turned off the news now because I've got the main headlines so anyway now it took people like Karen's friend Julia Bushby uh, as I said who was mm-hmm. leading the community search to, to coax Karen back out to help right as far as she was concerned she was like so long as you sit in your house uh, doing as you're told sort of like by the police not help him the media aren't going to give a shit if you come out and with your head held high and say, look, I'm looking for my kid. You might not want to talk about it no more, but I will keep coming out here and shouting at the top of my lungs, where's my daughter? Then they might start, you know, then we might start getting that media help again, right? And this yeah. woman, Julia, she was fucking fantastic, mate. She's like, if you watch the documentary, she's, she's strong, man. She's like, nope, if it was my kid, this is exactly what I'd do. I'd do it for any one of you. And she does it, okay? Mm. So she coaxes Karen back out to help. The community had arranged a candlelit procession down the road, handing out flyers, posters, everything, right, to help try and reinvigorate the public's attention. And that, and it worked, right? There's still a missing girl out here. You might not want to talk about it in the news, but we're going to make sure you start talking about it again. Uh, and as I say, it worked. There was, you know, some suspicion from from people about, you know, Karen and the boyfriend and, and whatnot. They, they just, there was something about them, they just something weird. And they just couldn't pinpoint it. But there was sympathy from loads of other people, right? And that was enough to keep going. In fact, uh, a local supermarket graciously offered to pay for Karen's shopping. Uh, they literally just said to her, look, look, here's a trolley, fill it, take it home. You know, feed your kids, do what you've got to do. Nice. You know? Which is really nice of them. In fact, the Sun newspaper um, initially opted to... Uh, offer as a reward for information twenty thousand pounds they upped it to fifty thousand pounds which is that's huge and it's a lot the, of money a lot a lot of money that's a lot of money and all the while there was a conversation being had whether britain's class system was still alive and well you see while karen was struggling to keep her missing child in the minds of the public uh, and fighting public ridicule over the fact that she has seven children from five different dads and is unemployed living in a council house nine months earlier in 2007 another little child went missing three-year-old madeline mccann madeline yeah went- i'm familiar with that yeah one, the, the the most famous missing child probably in the world yeah for sure she took the world by storm and she still does like it still comes up now exactly that's something we will get onto. so three-year-old madeline mccann went missing from the holiday apartment she was staying in while her parents were out at a tapas bar with friends one evening in portugal the public's interest in this case was from the start immense and still to this day garners a lot of attention from journalists and content creators. News crews flew out to Portugal to be at the centre of the story. Celebrities, footballers, politicians all pledged their support and help where they could. Donations from the public to help fund the search flooded in with celebrities such as Simon Cowell, Sir Richard Branson, JK Rowling, alongside national newspapers offering considerable financial incentives for information. Rewards 
totaled to over 2.6 million pounds for any information that would help to find Madeline. That's a whole lot of money. Yeah. And this is despite the questionable nature of Madeline's disappearance. The fact that the parents had left their three-year-old alongside her siblings, twins, who were not even a year old at the time, alone Mm. in an apartment at night in a foreign country, that, and the rumours and theories that there are darker reasons behind the disappearance. Meanwhile, the disappearance of Shannon could only muster just over £50,000 to help the search and was being ridiculed by the public for the way that she appeared. The fact that she was unemployed, living in a council house. She had several children from different men. The McCanns were middle class, with respectable jobs on their holidays. Karen, she wasn't. Karen even alludes to this when they talk, when she's talking about how she's perceived in the media on that Channel 4 documentary, saying, quote, "'Cause I'm not high class, innit? Like the McCanns family.' I don't make an effort and stuff like that. I don't put makeup on or stuff like that. It's just disgusting. Um, I mean, it's a very valid point. It, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So that's maybe like, this is maybe like um, an area where I want to maybe take a few minutes to just maybe try and dissect that massive fucking bit of information I've just dumped here. You know, <laughs> Shannon is a nine-year-old girl from the uh, outskirts of Leeds. Her mother is unemployed, uh, living in a council house. For those that don't know, a council house is a uh, a property or a home that you are put in by the government if you are struggling financially for whatever reason. If you cannot find a home, you cannot afford to buy a home or even rent one. The council will put you in a home with a much cheaper rate of rent. Um, I was someone who benefited from this. I uh, live in a council house. We had some severe issues when I was a young kid. We couldn't afford to like have a home of our own anymore. And so got a pop in a council house council houses are fantastic like these and ben- the benefit system is fantastic it's there for people who need help who are desperate for it right and for that reason it's it's awesome all right so for whatever reason you know i don't know the ins and outs karen is a mother of seven she's unemployed for whatever reason she maybe cannot afford to go to work and maybe just work mm-hmm. alone will not cover the expense of having this amount of children on her own she's single mother well, she, well single mother she has a partner but um she she doesn't do makeup she doesn't do her hair up she just sort of looks after her kids and it's pretty much it and then on the flip side you know she, she's being ridiculed for this and like I said, on the flip side, you've got the McCanns, who are middle class. Both of them are doctors, the parents. Um, they've gone on their holiday bobs in Portugal, left their child alone uh, in an apartment on a foreign country, regardless of as to how close you were to the apartment. Um, and yet they're met with significant amounts of sympathy. Yeah, it's there's something not right there. Yeah, and that's where I say yeah. conversations about Britain's class system or whether it's still there were starting to... Oh, a hundred percent. It's it, it it's blindingly obvious that the more money you have, the more you can get away with things. Just look at COVID, for example. The fines for things. If 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 the punishment for a crime is ever a fine, all that says is if you're rich, you can get away with it. Yeah. That that's what a fine is. So that that's bullshit. That's, that's kind of a separate point, but that's showing that the class system does still exist and the elitism and what have you. But but in this situation, of course, they they were what both of them are doctors. Yeah. Um. Maybe because it happened on foreign soil, I don't know. Maybe it heightens it a bit more. But yeah, hundred percent. If they were just 
a normal family on an all-inclusive holiday um, in, like, I don't know, Benidorm, no, they wouldn't have got this. They wouldn't have got this at all. It's because they were in the Algarve. Everything was fancy. Mm. They were doctors. They were well-to-do. Yeah. Honestly, like, I know they lost their daughter, and it's horrendous, and I don't know what happened. No one knows what happened. But I really can't fucking stand the McCanns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I think they're horrendous people. There's a, there's a. I mean, it's, 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 it's a. Sorry, I'm sure we will do the McCanns at some point in the future um, on this podcast. Uh, but there, there is something to be said about how a middle class family with rep, reputable jobs, re- respectable jobs, sorry, uh, can leave their children with a combined age of four in an apartment alone in a foreign country whilst they are about, I don't know, five minutes away. At it's a negligence. Bar. It's negligent. It's negligent. It's negligent. And and I, I would argue, and I, I can't say if this would would or wouldn't happen as there's no direct, you know, uh, 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 what's the word? Like something else that's happened exactly the same as that. But I would argue that parallel. had it been a parallel example, had there have been a working class family or a class of a lower standing than middle class doctors for jobs and whatnot had it been a lower class family that had left their children in the apartment and then gone to the bar around the corner and their child had been snatched i'm pretty certain they might have been done for child neglect and their view in the newspapers and media would have been a negative one yeah they would be called scum the son would have called them alcoholics for being at a bar it, it would have been an absolute bloodbath yeah exactly and yet there seems to be the complete opposite with this case like you said sympathies go out to those that have lost their child at the end of the day as a child missing uh and that's horrendous and i would not like to go through that myself however the way they were perceived in the media they have politicians celebrities footballers and the like offering hundreds of thousands of pounds with as i said uh reward money totaling to 2.6 million whereas karen matthews who as far as her story was concerned her daughter had gone to school went to a local swimming lesson and didn't come home was not getting the same sort of respect. And that should scare people more because that is someone going about their day-to-day life. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about the McCanns. Well, I'm sure we will do an episode, but the way they handled it, if they're innocent, if they're guilty, I don't know. No one will know. But yeah, they, they the way they handled it was wrong. Like, writing well, a book so- about it and profiting off your daughter's disappearance, there's something so fucked about that. Yeah, I mean, so they, they managed to pay off their mortgage of their home based on the money they made from book sales. And I I can understand how that looks dodgy, but I can also say that you could say you're future-proofing your home for your children. The other two that you've got a home and you're future-proofing to make sure they've got a home. I can understand that to a degree. Now, this I, I don't want us to, at this point in the pod, uh, as it's not an episode based on them, decipher whether uh, we've... What, what our opinions are on the case itself all i want us to do is sort of um make uh some sort of like parallels from takes things from both of these cases and sort of just how they were viewed by the public uh sort of take that more away for instance um uh, karen matthews as as i've mentioned now a few times when she was in the police uh when she was having a, a conversation with the police for six hours, they mentioned how she looked drawn and disinterested. Uh, and I've stated that maybe, you know, she is tired and distraught and just doesn't really have much emotion in her at the moment. She's probably been crying for a long time. Uh, her family liaison officer mentioned how she danced to the ringtone of her phone going off. And I've argued maybe 
that's because she's trying to put on a facade for her kids and try and still be there for the rest of them. She's still got three others sitting at home who are waiting for their sister to come home. On the flip side, you've got uh, the McCann mother noted for being quite just drawn and not really showing much emotion. Both the McCanns were noted as just not showing any emotion pretty much throughout the entirety of like them being in the papers and on the news. And yet they garner so much sympathy. I feel like nowadays, the more it's being dragged out over the, I don't know, decades. I don't know how long it's been now. I think the public's interest in the McCann story has faded a great deal. But then they still keep pumping bloody documentaries out about it. Oh, yeah, I mean, the, the case itself is fascinating, of course. Um, but yeah, the, the actual search for the, the, the poor girl is, is waning, yes. Uh, I mean, mm. for instance... Uh, the McCann mother got labelled by the Portuguese police as their number one suspect. And yet, it's still seen as like, a, oh, God, no, oh, God, no, she couldn't, no, 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 no. You know, the public sympathy was still too strong, whereas, like, you know, Karen Matthews, for some reason, just because of the way she looks and her status in society, she's just almost guilty from the start. Like, people just question her from the start they're like oh look at her house and look at the way she dresses of course the girl ran away i think it does all boil down to just their financial not more financial social status as well i agree <clears throat> just massive so anyway yeah I, I agree so yeah we digress and uh so let's get back to it so it's now march the 12th shannon has now been missing for 22 days journalist richard edwards knocks on the door of karen's house but no answer now, Richard knows that this door is generally open all the time. People have been walking in in the house all the time. So he pushes the door and, well, it's open. So he lets himself in. He shouts for anyone and, again, gets no response. When, from behind the door, Karen jumps out and tickles the journalist, shouting, Boo! Which is, you know, rather odd behaviour, no? <laughs> Two days yeah, later... very odd. 24 days missing... And the police get an interesting tip from a local man. He asks the police if anyone has spoken to Michael Donovan. Now, Michael Donovan is Craig Meehan's uncle. And Craig Meehan, of course, being the boyfriend of Karen Matthews. The police had gone over to Karen's... Police had gone over Karen's extensive family tree and interviewed many of her family members. Now, you know, uh, as the police... uh, alluded to in many documentaries and whatnot uh karen yes has uh seven children from five different men which means her family tree is quite in a quite a large family tree to go over naturally there will be people that they don't interview or you know think it's, it's just too far connected it doesn't make sense so you know they've gone over her extensive family tree and interviewed many of the family members but not her boyfriend's uncle Now, the local man who offered a tip had said that he usually sees Craig's uncle pop round to Karen's almost every day, but since Shannon has been missing, he hasn't been round once. Police head to the house of Michael Donovan, which is just a mile away from the home of Shannon, but there's no answer. So they knock on the next door neighbour, and she tells them that Michael doesn't answer the door to anyone, and that if his car is outside, then, well, he's definitely in. Which it is. So he must be in. So police ask her if maybe she'd heard any movements from inside the house. You know, do you think he's in? And she said, oh, yeah, no, no, I heard footsteps. He's definitely in. 
But then she also mentions that she believes she's heard other sets of footsteps in the house, which would allude to there being two people in there. And the way she explains it, or describes it, sorry, is rather interesting. She says the other set of footsteps sound like it's a toddler in the house, and Michael doesn't have any kids in the house. Ugh. He so doesn't police, have toddlers in the house. He doesn't. No, the the next door neighbor says I can I hear footsteps and movement next door, but I also hear another set of footsteps, which is not common, and it sounds like there's a toddler in the house. Right. Okay, that's a red flag. Red flags. So police immediately assumed that Michael Donovan was not only in the house hiding, but either had or knew the whereabouts of Shannon. The police made their way into the home and slowly searched the house. There was no sign of Michael. One of the doors, however, was locked. The police knocked it through and entered a bedroom, but nobody there. As they were looking around the room, they heard a little girl's voice say, quote, Stop it, you're frightening me now. From the base of the bed in the room, it was Shannon. The police pulled her out from the drawer under the bed. After 24 days missing... Oh my God. Shannon Matthews was found alive and well. 24 days. Oh, shit. One of the policemen uh, says... Well, the actual policeman that pulled her out from under the bed said how when he, he, he grabbed her, pulled her out, sort of looked at her, it was he couldn't help but like a tear sort of came to his eye. He was like, this is 24 mm. days we've been looking for this poor girl and we've been assuming the absolute worst and she's relatively okay. And he did say that even when he was talking in this documentary, he's like, he's, he's tearing up. Almost like a, a case that defined his career. So, as I say, she's found alive and well. And the police take her outside and they sit her in the back of the police car and they ask her a few questions. And one of the questions they ask is, where is Michael? To which she says, quote, he's where I was. What? Mm-hmm. The police rushed upstairs to find a man in his 30s squished into the drawer under the bed behind where Shannon was sat, silent as a mouse. Oh, my God. There's so much is happening. So much is happening, and so much more is going to happen, James. Michael Donovan is arrested. Karen is notified by the police and meets them at the station to identify her daughter. Now, at this point, you can imagine, like, she would just be almost overwhelmed to see her daughter again. She's been missing for 24 days, presumed possibly dead at this point. Um, in fact, there was there's, there was one officer that appears in one of these documentaries I watched. He said, like, in terms of when a child has gone missing, is like, I think after 72 hours, almost 100% of these children are found dead. And this girl's been missing for 24 days. So to find her alive is amazing. Uh, and you'd imagine that Karen would be just over the moon. Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd imagine so. I hope there's not a but. Well, she was to identify her from a one-way mirror so as to not contaminate any evidence that may be still on Shannon's body. Because, of course, we don't know what's happened to her this entire time she's been away. So when asked if the child was Shannon... Karen simply said, yes. The officer with her noted that her behaviour was odd. She wasn't desperate to see her daughter. There was no rushing or excitement or anything like that. It was just like she'd just come for a regular appointment. You know, she wasn't asking any questions. Her daughter's been 
gone for nearly a month and she wasn't asking why she couldn't see her when can i see her she wasn't asking Mm. any questions about how she was or where she was she just completely seemed unfazed by the entire thing but that's bizarre you'd imagine there'd want to be a big reunion you'd think so but shannon's back now right so you know maybe all this sort of like public viewings of this person and shaming and whatnot maybe can all be put to bed now right you know she's been found she's back now we've got her she's alive that's something to be happy about right should be the end of the story now however michael donovan the man who has been arrested for kidnapping this girl makes a shocking statement he claims that karen matthews the mother of shannon is behind the whole thing he refuses to speak in his interviews and instructs his lawyer to make a statement saying, quote, She said I was to keep Shannon and look after her and she, Karen, would report her missing. I said, what do I do then? She said, you'll take her back to your place and keep her there until I phone you. I said I wasn't happy about this and she then threatened if I didn't do it, to get three lads on me and I was frightened that if I didn't do it they would come after me. He claims that the plan was for reward money to hit £50,000. Once that happened Michael was to discover her and collect the reward money which would then be split. Pretty damning words. Right okay you can see their plan unravelling now. Pretty damning words yeah but the police don't have enough evidence to arrest Karen for her involvement. This is just a man who's been captured who appears to just be spouting off stuff to get away with it. You know? And while Michael sits I, in a... I feel, I'm not going to lie, I feel like this story is coming back to me. I feel like I've heard it or I remember it. Oh, I mean, as we go on, there probably will be bits and you'll go, I remember this now because it was huge and it still is. Now, while Michael sits in a cell, the estate celebrates with a street party, popping off fireworks and the like. Now, a couple days pass, and Shannon has not been allowed to go home yet. The media, completely unaware of the accusations aimed at Karen, begin to get suspicious. They know that she's been captured and found. Why has she not been allowed to go home yet? When Michael Donovan is officially charged with Shannon's abduction, they begin to make his accusations more serious Uh, they begin to take his accusations more serious denying karen access to see her daughter they question her but she isn't giving anything away since she is a suspect the police have the right to detain items they believe to be evidence they take away karen's boyfriend's computer and what they discover is more than 140 child sexual abuse images on the hard drive Oh, for fuck's sake. And Craig Meehan is arrested. This is the boyfriend who's been living with Karen for four years in the house and says that nine-year-old Shannon, who he's been around since she was five, is like a daughter to him. It just makes you fucking just... I don't know what the word is, but it just makes your whole body just kind of shiver. Mm -hmm. Like, what is wrong with people? This guy's 22 years old, James. He's vile. 22 years old, 140 child sexual abuse images on his hard drive. Uh, and and it's, it's just, just that 
they weren't even expecting that they were like what the fuck like we were searching for this little girl we found this little girl we're trying to figure out how the fuck she was kidnapped and out of nowhere we found a fucking paedophile out of nowhere well there's another one off the streets i guess that's another one off the streets although as we did find out now it may be 1401 relocated within the 20 mile radius of this area yeah that's ridiculous like people sh- they should be spaced out oh, yeah. they shouldn't just be fucking I'm- but i swear i watched a documentary about this in i think it was in america they literally have like pedophile streets uh, yeah, where everyone towns. on the road will be a because they can't be within like a certain distance of a school or something so that like there's only certain places they can live yeah no i agree so just fucking oh yeah i was about to say something very anti-human rights then but i'll, I'll refrain <laughs> you're gonna refer to maybe them not being alive anymore no not even that i was like let's just find a fucking island somewhere put them on a big ship just send them out and they can just like i don't know do whatever they want that's their island you do what you want but and we'll have one for males and one for women there'll be absolutely no recreating there'll be no babies i mean it it's not it, this is not the time to talk about it in depth but um I would argue there's, there's there's a strong argument to suggest that maybe those who are convicted ought to be chemically castrated in the way so they cannot procreate and maybe not feel any sort of sexual desire anymore. Here's the thing. You're about to find out about some of my views that some people will frown upon, but hey, because it goes against human rights, but fucking... I think once you've done something like that, like paedophilia, rape murders kind of go either way because that's a bit different and it has to be proved within like there can be no doubt it has to be 100 percent real mm. um we should stop animal testing obviously and just test all of our medicines and all of our cosmetics on these pedophiles <laughs> i said this with the covid vaccine don't we can skip the animal testing bit just inject the bastard straight away and see what fucking happens mm. <laughs> they might die um, am I for capital punishment? I'm pretty sure I've argued against it in the past, so I'm being very hypocritical. Mm. But I just want to find a way to stop animal testing, and I see prisons full of paedophiles that aren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they may as well be useful. No, I, I well, yeah, I'm also left wing, so right. this is going to confuse a lot of people. I don't know where I stand on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, becoming more centrist, James, as you're getting older, like me. You say that, but I took a, a test the other day, and apparently I'm like, I don't know, I was the most left wing one out of my group chat. They're most liberal. Uber left. <laughs> but not like not like far left, just kind of like, yeah, he's pretty left. Yeah. Yeah. So left it goes right. Yeah, sometimes. Just the just the occasional mm. kill the paedophiles kind of comment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the nation and the local community that have helped Karen for nearly a month find this girl are absolutely shocked and angry that they've been going into the house of someone who has child sexual abuse images on his computer uh, and felt sympathy for this man. And they begin to seriously question Karen's involvement with the disappearance of her daughter. They're starting to question, did you seriously not know anything about this? Really? Okay. Now, I'm sure there are lots of people who have been married or uh, involved with people in some way who have committed horrendous acts. And, you know, there's a high chance, yeah, maybe they had absolutely no idea. I'm not saying just because you live with a person, you must know about it. Um, but it does, you know, uh, it does raise some questions that need to be answered. And this is what the local community and, and the public want to know. And and Karen's friend, Julie Bushby, the, the lady who led the community in searches, she confronts Karen 
alongside the family liaison officer sat in a car, Julie tells her that, look, I'll always be your friend. I just need the truth from you, all right? There's loads of suspicions going around about, you know, Craig and you. You know, you're going into police and having conversations with them all the time. Shannon's not been allowed to go back home yet. What's going on? And surprisingly, Karen confesses by shouting, quotes, I did it, I did it. Karen is then arrested the same day, April 6th, 2008, and she's charged with perverting the course of justice and child neglect. Karen's story... Karen's story is that she wanted to leave Craig, who she's been with for four years, but she was scared. She claims that she had finally plucked up the courage to leave him. The plan was for Shannon to go to Michael Donovan's home and Karen would meet them there. But what she didn't manage to do was get away that night. When she got home, the whole thing got out of hand when Craig said that Shannon had not come home. Not wishing to give away the plot, she just went along with it, which is fine, but she's got three other kids living in the house. So why did she not do the same with them? Like, why didn't she get all four of the kids to meet at Donovan's that night? Yeah. But, because that didn't happen. So that sort of blows that out the window. Um, and also, she had ample opportunity to tell the police what really happened, Right. You know, that, oh, I'm in a relationship um, that I can't get out of. Uh, and, and I'm sure they would have helped, right? So if she's too scared to tell Craig, who, by the way, it's got nothing to do with it. I was going to say she's like t- he's 10 years younger there, but it's nothing to do with it. If you are that scared of, like, your partner and you don't want to admit there and then, you know, oh, um, <clears throat> she's over at Michael's and I'm leaving you, blah, blah, blah. By all means, call the police and then lie about it and say, yeah, my child's missing. And when the police come to your house and talk to you, privately say to them i'm really really sorry i lied i'm scared of my partner i need to get out i've tried to do this that and the other but she doesn't she's had ample opportunity to do this and she doesn't which is why i think it's a lot of shit yeah for sure i feel i feel bad because we just like spent a good amount of time shitting on the mccann's being like they got all this because they're middle class and then we were kind of supporting karen because she was lower class and she's really let us down so this is something I, I was hoping you'd maybe get onto because I've I've spoken to other people about this case um, and they've kind of come out with the same opinion from the get-go. And that's kind of where I wanted to maybe structure this uh, episode in, in a way that maybe, yeah, we do feel sympathy for this person because that's how it should happen from the start. Like, as, as, as I wanted this to play out as the case happens, we feel empathy and sympathy for this person and then later on we can feel disgusted and, and, and disheartened and... Uh, disappointed in this person for what they did however I don't think it's fair to then say you know ah she's proven us to be right you know she's done what we stereotypically thought she'd do but we'll get on to it honestly this is where I'm I've sort of we've got time at the end to talk about this (laughs) right okay so you know basically as I said she's had ample opportunity to uh, tell the police uh, what's been going on, uh, and she doesn't. Basically, she just keeps she keeps yes anding herself into the largest police investigation since the seventies and eighties, and at a very great cost. It costs hundreds of thousands of pounds of taxpayers' money to search for this child that she knows full well is in the uncle's bed. Um, also, 
there's a list of rules that the police found in the house that was left for Shannon to obey at all times. Some of these were, you must not make any noise or bang your feet. You must not go near the windows. You must not get anything or do anything without me being here. Keep the volume on the TV low, only up to eight or lower. So when that's found... Your, your sort of your story about wanting to leave your boyfriend is a load of shit. Yeah. In fact, Karen keeps changing her story and claims that Craig, the man with the 140 child sexual abuse images on his computer, is the man behind the plot. But there was no evidence to suggest that he was, and that is something that's like vehemently uh, agreed upon in this case. Craig has fuck all to do with her disappearance although he does still have sexual images on his computer, so he's just a piece of shit all on his own. Mm. He was separately sentenced in court for possessing child pornography. He was found guilty and given 20 weeks in prison. What? 20 weeks, which is less than half a year for child pornography on his computer. I thought the I thought what I thought the punishments were so much like harsher than that. Mm. You want to know what's worse? What? He was released the same day as he'd already spent more than twenty weeks in remand custody before his trial. So the prisoners couldn't even beat the shit out of him. Uh, well, he was in remand custody, so he was in a prison for twenty weeks beforehand. Uh, then he went to court, they found him guilty, sentenced him to 20 weeks and said, well, considering you've already spent more than 20 weeks just in remand waiting for this trial, you've technically already served your sentence. So they let him He go must the have day. the best lawyer of all time. How's he got away with that? I've no idea. No idea. And yeah, that, he's, out and about. Is... he's out and about now. Um, there was a story in the newspaper not too long ago that he was found outside a shop and someone recognised him and they gave him a big, a big cooking, um, got beaten up on the street. I mean, I'm against violence, but I'll turn up. If I saw, if I recognise him and saw him getting beaten up in the street, I would just stand and probably watch and just turn around, walk the other way, just let it happen. Yeah. It's bizarre, isn't it? Twenty weeks. I was, 20 I was expecting weeks. like twenty years. Oh no, no. I mean, I, I, I would have said weeks. you know a, a few, a good few years at minimum, but no, twenty weeks released on the same day because he'd already served more than twenty. That's waiting disgusting. For his custody, waiting for his trial. So that was that Craig. That is disgusting because um, he's mentally scarred. All, all those kids of pictures that he's got are mentally scarred for life and he gets away with it. Bollocks. Absolute bollocks. Mm. Well, Karen and Michael Donovan, uh, they were tried together uh, as the police were like, you know what? Don't buy your story. You're both in on it. You both were looking for this 50 grand reward money. The plan was to find her, have Michael, act, uh, Michael miraculously find her, bring her home, and then Michael would claim the 50 grand prize money, and then they'd split it between them. Um, it's a fucking stupid plan. Anyway, mm. because of this, they were tried together, where a jury heard that Shannon was almost certainly, constantly drugged while at Donovan's home. And that, this is, this is fucking, like, this is awful. A strap was tied to a beam in the ceiling on one end and that Shannon on the other end would be tied while she was alone in the home so that she couldn't escape. Uh, now, you know when like, your, in your ceilings, like if you've got a loft, like a big hole in your ceiling? Yeah. Up there where the beams are for your roof, he's got literally like a car like strap for like towing a car tied round that on one end. At the other end, 
he would tie up Shannon and that give her enough leeway to get to the bathroom, to a bedroom and another room. And that was it. Like when he's out the house, that's how she had to be because like you don't want to go near windows or making too much noise or anything like that. And when police no. saw it, they were like, well, that's fucking, that's awful. Like you don't put a child in that sort of position. Uh, anyway, both Karen Matthews and Michael Donovan were found guilty of perverting the course of justice, kidnapping and false imprisonment. And in January of 2009, they were both sentenced to eight years. They got less time than a paedophile. No, eight years. The other dude got 20. Oh, they got more time. Yeah. Yeah, more time. More time than the guy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry, sorry. A paedophile got less. I got confused. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they got eight years for that. Sh- I mean, fair, yeah, good, like, fuck them, but the paedophile should have got more. Yeah, give the other dude more. Shannon and her siblings have been rehomed. All of them were taken away from Karen's care. They were rehomed. Uh, they've had their identities changed, uh, including Shannon's, and they cannot be publicly disclosed. They are for uh, indefinite. She's not allowed to be reported on at all. No one's allowed to find good. her. I, I, I hope like her and her siblings have a good life from this point. Or are having a good life because it's obviously been over a decade. I hope they're doing well. Yeah. Well, so out of an eight-year sentence, because of the way our justice system works, uh, Karen was out in four. Mm. Uh, both are now out of prison. Karen Matthews, due to the uh, insane case and the public uh, you know, image of her, uh, has had to have her identity changed. And she's also had to be rehomed. So she was moved somewhere down south. Uh, she's labelled now the most hated woman in Britain. And allegedly, mm. she had a job in a charity shop somewhere down south and had found God. Uh, she'd also allegedly got engaged again, but broke that off when he was convicted of child sex offences. She didn't sure off, can pick them, can't she? She didn't half pick them, yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah... Uh, Karen came out of prison, dyed her hair black because it was like bright fucking orange. Apparently she dyed it black, had her name changed, found God, tried to get a job, then got sacked from it because they found out who she was. Um, yeah, she's not in a very good way and then obviously got engaged to a paedophile again, um, which she then broke off and wants her money back for the engagement ring because she had to buy that herself when they got engaged. Um, so she wants her £30 back, which is apparently how much it cost. Right. <laughs> Um, Sha- <laughs> Shannon is now in her late teens and again as I said her whereabouts is now unknown and is for the foreseeable unless she wants to come out and talk about it herself will stay that way and that's about it so yeah that's the story what do you think mental absolutely mental um, I just there's a lot of things that are wrong with our justice system that have clearly been highlighted and there's a lot of things wrong with our class system. Yeah. So on the class system, uh, I'd like to take this sort of, uh, this, this part of the end. So to just talk about this. So it's, it's not exactly a new thing or uh, it's not exactly brought on because of this case, but there seems to be an explosion in what's now called poverty porn in the media. Um, I don't want to sort of, teacher suck eggs but are you aware of what poverty porn is and what it means no so poverty porn is a relatively new term for tv shows and media that point at those who have less than others and mock it 
uh, shows like Jeremy Kyle, it would be considered poverty porn. Right, okay, I get you. So uh, Jeremy Kyle, for those that are not in the UK, uh, if you're if you if you're aware of uh, Jerry Springer, it's for, it's pretty much Jerry Springer, but a UK version. Um, families from you know lower classes. I, I I think that's fair to say from lower classes. There is still a class system in the UK. It's just changed a little bit. So families from uh, not so well off areas uh, come onto a show and discuss their life basically as entertainment for other people um as jeremy kyle says in his show quite a few times we sit there and we laugh at these people but these things are real to them so there'll be someone coming on saying like you know some stories would be like my mother's now pregnant with my boyfriend's baby and it would be like him then coming on saying i want to prove that i'm the dad and there'll be a dna test and all this sort of stuff and this was entertainment um but this is people's lives you know regardless of how bizarre we may find it it's it's their life you know and we're sort of mocking it uh another yeah, for sure i shouldn't do it. it well it's it's now been taken off the air in the uk jeremy carr was now no longer on the television because there was at least i believe two uh cases where previous guests had come on and possibly due to the backlash they got from it uh had committed suicide um yeah and in fact jeremy carr was famous for having a lie detector test on its show uh, which was used quite often. Almost every episode it would be used where a partner would come on and accuse their spouse of um, cheating on them in some way and they would take a lie detector test and that lie detector test would either prove you know, whether they had or had not lied about the incident. However, whenever the lie detector test was uh, being brought up, a little banner at the bottom of the screen would say this is only like 96% accurate. And there are some results that may not be complete or accurate or blah, blah, blah. Which is fine. But when a court of law doesn't allow lie detector tests to be used because it's not concrete evidence, why is a TV show doing it to try and prove someone's infidelity when it could ruin a family? Yeah, they're just doing it for views. Exactly. And and quite often... It would happen where it'd say, oh, it was inconclusive because you were coughing or something or, you know, fidgeting too much when we had the lie detector test. And then that, immediately that would be an admission of guilt as well. And then, you know, families could break up over this and it's like, well, someone might just be nervous. I don't know. Regardless, Jeremy Carl's not on the show uh, on the television anymore. Another show that exploits um, those less fortunate than others and is in the poverty porn category is, do you remember Benefit Street? Yeah, I do, I do. It was awful. And I, I believe Benefit Street was in Birmingham, was it not? Yeah, it was. <laughs> not far, not far at all. Aye. Um, Benefit Street, again, for people that haven't watched it, uh, there's a particular street in um, in the Midlands of England, in Birmingham, uh, where almost everybody on the street is unemployed, living in council houses, and recl- uh, uh, claims benefit money to keep themselves afloat and camera crews would walk up and down the street basically just filming there every day um watching them just sort of sit out front of their house on sofas drinking beer smoking cigarettes and kids just running around being unruly and we as people that are more fortunate than them see this as entertainment and go oh look at how they live and i'm not sure if that's it's not on no 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 it's not on at all it's not is it really Uh, for instance um i looked this up and this is genuinely true uh, during the Georgian England era, where King, King George and 
Bonnie Prince and all that. Um, did you know, James, that the Georgians' popular thing to do on the day-to-day would be going to the local uh, uh, asylum and you'd pay a couple of pennies to go watch mentally ill patients be mental in an asylum? Yeah, I was unfamiliar with that. The mental asylums, or probably shouldn't call them that, um, really, really bad. That was like that was entertainment for people. Like they would pay money to go watch people with schizophrenia or bipolar or you know uh, borderline schizophrenia, uh, borderline personality disorder, just go berserk in a in, a, in an asylum. Like people paid money to go watch. This that. is the thing. Like um, courts and stuff like med- like medieval like royal courts, not courts of law, um, would have Down syndrome people as their um, jesters. Yeah, I mean it's horrendous. And and when you think about it. How far really have we come where now we like to watch shows where those less fortunate than us who struggle on a day-to-day are now entertainment? What I find annoying nowadays is that as soon as you like stick up for someone who needs like sticking up for who's getting shat on a little bit, you're called, I don't know, like Snowflake or whatever. Like, But, but I, I always find that if your behaviour is impacting someone else in a negative way, you're you're a cunt to put it bluntly <laughs> yeah um like call call me a snowflake as much as you want especially not nowadays it's a lot to do with like um i'm specifically like trans people as well obviously there's racism homophobia all sorts of discrimination but the one that i see on twitter the most is like transphobic people and the second you argue against them they'll call you a snowflake and oh you don't live in the real world it's like fuck off mm. Because this doesn't affect your life in any way, shape or form. You've just decided to come onto a public forum to give out your bullshit opinions that no one wants or needed just to put other people down Mm. for no purpose. And I always find that the best people in life are the ones that don't tend to be on social media. Like, I think the best comment I've ever heard is, do you see Michael Jordan commenting on people's YouTube videos saying they're shit? Like, no, Mm. because he's too busy being fucking Michael Jordan. So if you find yourself like commenting on someone's video just to put them down or picture or something just fucking assess just stop and assess what you're doing yeah well around this era um of the karen matthews case is the slogan broken britain which you may be quite familiar with no it's been broken since day one Aye. well broken britain as a slogan came around at this time a narrative that Britain had a poverty underbelly that was full of lazy, unemployed uh, benefit cheats only having children to then get themselves a home and money. Uh, Obviously, with hindsight, what Karen Matthews did was all of those things and that stereotypically we would argue benefit people do. Um, But before we knew that, people judged her. Um, And that's something I wanted to like you alluded to it earlier and i was like we've got time to talk about that earlier when we were talking about the difference in how the mccanns were treated and how Mm. the the matthews were treated yes what karen matthews did is abhorrent and she was found guilty and she 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 is that one percent of all those people we stereotype but before we but before that happens like before we judge it immediately i would like us to sort of see how she was treated before we found that out and you know she was still treated horribly i would say you know with i mean there's some sympathy i'm not saying there wasn't completely but if you just look at how at the two cases side by side how the mccann's and how the matthews family were treated it's 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 undeniable how different it was 
Yeah, all because of the class system. Obviously, she was guilty in the end, but hey. Um, you just have to treat each case as a mother losing her daughter. And when more evidence comes to light later on, then you can like take it in a different way. Yeah. But each person losing a child is it's the same. Yeah. You can't you can't decipher who's more important than anyone else because at that point you're deciphering whose life is more important than anyone else's, and that's just absolute nonsense. Exactly. And and I'd argue that during this era, the life of uh, a nine-year-old girl from up north living in a council house with very little money was deemed less important than a three-year-old from a middle-class family. Yeah, 100%. 100% spot on. Mm. Uh, and, it, you know, just on that, you know, um, this is not not that I want to get political, but, you know, whilst we're at it, there are now thousands of food banks in the UK when only a decade earlier there were literally about 100 or so. Um, and the thing, we can't even... we can't, Obviously, COVID has had a massive impact on that, people losing their jobs, economic struggle and what have you. But even before COVID, our food bank usage was going up. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it it's interesting that we have this culture now of mocking people in poverty, like on the telly um, and whatnot. And yet there are so many people that's now becoming the norm to be in poverty. The fact so that- I had this discussion the other day about not about this in particular, but I think it fits. I had it about veganism, but hey, I've got to shoehorn that in somewhere. Wait. But do some people do some people miss the part of their brains that make them feel empathy like they don't question things like you know some people that are so dense you physically can't argue with them because you just know that your points will never like go in yeah Yeah. and i think those people like ignorance is bliss they seem really happy because they're just living their life completely ignorant but they also don't understand that their viewpoints are dragging other people down Mm. yeah well, there, there was a there was a study, hasn't it, just recently come out saying that uh, uh, there's a high percentage in terms of correlation between those who uh, would stop would not have the COVID vaccine and those that voted for Brexit. There's a correlation between I the two. Co- I don't need to comment on it. I think my feelings on that have been made clear. Yeah, I find it a fascinating correlation and one that I'm not entirely surprised by. No, but particularly when Brexit is one of the things that's letting us roll out the vaccine so quickly. Yeah, ironically. Yeah, so if you love Brexit, get the vaccine. If you don't love Brexit, get the vaccine. It's... Everyone just get the fucking vaccine because I want to hug my nan. It's a win for Brexit in that sense. Um, go go Brexit for the Oh, vaccine. yeah, for sure. I, I've, I've had a lot of egg on my face this week just saying, yep, fair play. Humble pie, please. I'll take two servings. Yeah, well, I'm like, the other stuff's still shit, but this has been really good, so yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, um, interesting, fascinating story um, that raises a lot of other uh, debates to be had uh, with Britain's class system and how we perceive those those who are lesser off than us. Um, I'm someone who has benefited from uh, council housing, from the benefit system. Uh, without them, my mum would not have been able to put food on the table for us. My mum would not have been able to put a roof over her head and other things and i would have had a completely different life if it weren't for um the the benefit system of a liberal labor government of old um so thank you to that and uh, to all those <laughs> disagree with it fuck you because i probably wouldn't be here now if it weren't for it <laughs> uh, and if you are one of those people that disagrees with it and you're listening to the podcast the irony that you're listening to me talk about it um anyway yeah no it's fascinating um 
I hope you enjoyed it, James. <laughs> it's a bit of a whirlwind. It's a fascinating case. It, it it was familiar. I do remember it. I didn't know the details, but it was familiar. Yeah. Uh, as I said, check out, if you are interested in a bit more detail about the, uh, the story itself, go onto YouTube. You can find um, the documentary on there, the Channel 4 one, uh, The Family Story, I think it was, uh, Karen Matthews, The Family Story. Uh, and also, just recently on Channel 5, there was a two-part documentary series about the entire case, which is, is, is really interesting. Um, so do check those out if you're interested. Um, before we go, uh, make sure you follow us on all the socials. If you don't by now, you know, whatever. It's, <laughs> you're missing out. Um, if you could, whatever platform you are listening to us on, if you are able to uh, drop a little review, if you wish, maybe five stars. Just say hi if you want to. Don't even have to talk about the podcast. If you don't like it, I don't care. Just say hi. Um, that'd be nice. Yeah, review us. Tell everybody about us. Uh, we're all going to be going back to work soon, so you can tell all your work colleagues as well. Say, oh, whilst I was off, I literally binged the shit out of this uh, podcast and then play it to your work friends. That'd be nice. So, yeah, do <laughs> all of that, please. And, um, yeah, join us next week. Uh, I think it's a nasty one next week, is it? Or is it a nice one? I can't remember. Uh, who did I do last week? I forget. Pitchfork. So, it's oh, it's a good one. It'd be a nice one. Be a nice person. Yeah, it'd be a nice person next week. So, yeah, look forward to that. We've got that coming next week as well. So, yeah, if you fancy donating to the page, um, uh, to the page, sorry, to the podcast, uh, you can find a link to that on our link tree on all of our social media links. It's just if you fancy donating, it's like whatever much you want. Maybe the price of a cup of coffee is like a pound or two, whatever. I don't know how much coffee is. I don't drink it. But anyway, thank you very much for joining us on this rather long episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Join us next week. We all love you. Goodbye. Ta-ra.